welcome. So glad that you're here, each and every one of you, whether you're watching this live show or recording, we just want to welcome you here to the nonprofit show. Julie and I are honored to have Heath Bloomstein with us today. Heath is the regional director at Ort America, and he's going to talk to us about stewarding your donors in particular in different communities. So stay with us. But before we dive into this conversation, we of course want to remind our viewers and our listeners who you're looking at or possibly listening to. So hello to Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. I'm Jarrett Ransom, your nonprofit nerd, CEO of the Raven Group. And we are honored each and every day to be able to show up to be of service and have conversations with leaders like Heath today, thanks to our sponsors. So I'm going to give a verbal shout out. Thanks so very much to Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, Fundraising Academy at National University, Nonprofit Nerd, Your Part-Time Controller, Staffing Boutique, and Nonprofit Thought Leader. Hey, if you've missed any of our episodes, you know where to find us. You can get us on Roku, YouTube, Amazon Fire TV, as well as Vimeo. And for those podcast listeners like I am, go ahead and queue up the nonprofit show wherever you stream your podcast. So we were just sharing in the green room chatter about how, you know, you can watch this episode with Heath uh, later today, or if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thinking, how do I steward my donors? Heath is going to, to catch you up on all of that, as well as any of our previous episodes before. So Heath Bloomstein, welcome, my friend. Thank you. Very nice to be here. Thank you both. It's wonderful to have you. Um, You know, Ort America, I've learned about this organization through you. And for those of you watching and listening, um, Heath and I go back several years in the nonprofit community. And so I've been, you know, watching your journey. You've been watching my journey. It's just been a lot of fun. Um, But tell us a little bit about your role and a little bit about Ort America. Thank you, Jarrett. You know, in thinking about it, I think I know you so long. I think you were a junior nerd when I first met you. (laughs) I think so. You're right. I wasn't quite at my prime. So thank you for acknowledging that. (laughs) Of course. Happy to. So ORT is is a global education network driven by Jewish values and innovation, preparing people and communities for meaningful and self-sufficient futures. Um, we, so what does that mean? We are um, a very, very large education network. We're based in um, 39 countries around the world. We have uh, 41 schools and two universities. We service over 200,000 beneficiaries each and every year. And um, I can give you numbers, but I I think I'd rather give you some key words of what Ork believes in, which, you know, spurs a conversation um, with many, many fine, wonderful organizations throughout the U.S. and world. We believe in sustainability, integrity, innovation, uh, passion, cooperation, excellence, and Tekin Olam and Tekin Am. And it's repairing the world and repairing our community. Wow. So that's that's a little bit of a sense of what we do. It's amazing. That is so powerful. And especially in this time of, in this point in history, um, where we are failing and flailing 
civically, um, I've got to believe that this mission and this voice of your mission really resonates with donors, no matter where they are. Ort, um, World Ort, of which Ort America is a subsidiary, World Ort was formed in 1880. Wow. <laughs> Just a few years ago. <laughs> Ort America this year is celebrating its 100th anniversary. Wow. So we have chapters throughout the U.S. that still believe in the passion of what we do. And we are, you know, we always strive to bring in newer donors. Yeah. So our donor base spans the age of, you know, teenagers who contribute because they speak to the organization or, you know, people uh, higher up in age. So fascinating. I mean, uh, well, this is for another day, but this multi-generational giving and engaging with different generations. Wow. How powerful and how challenging is that? Um, really, really interesting. I've got to ask you with an organization that is so uh, has, has so many years. I was going to say is so old, but it has so many years <laughs> of service. Have you seen your mission change or navigate because of what's going on to a, to two different things? You know, it's an excellent question. And the bottom line is no. Basically, our mission has stayed the same since 1880 and, and certainly for the past 100 years. We have adapted. Sure. We, um, you know, from teaching students to become good citizens, we now have adopted the STEM and STEAM educational philosophy. Um, and we, you know, are trying to be leaders in that field. You know, we teach in the schools cybersecurity, yeah. which, you know, is a new growing field sure. that we try and adapt to the times, but relate it back to our mission. It's um, so important. And that's one thing we've talked about here on the show is the advancements of technology and how that has impacted our sector, even the way we communicate, you know, with our stakeholders and constituency bases. Um, I'm just so amazed. I mean, even though I've heard the story from you, Heath, but to hear it again, you know, this just deep rooted um, organization and what it stood for and continues to stand for going forward. It's just, it's just amazing to know that it exists and it's still thriving Tell us a little bit, if you would, about how you and your team and the rest of the organization has really managed to communicate with your stakeholders to carry out this mission for 100 years and what that looks like for you. So our national office is based in, in, in New York City. We have regions in Florida, Atlanta, Chicago, and Detroit. Um, and so, and then it comes to me. So my actual title is director of Southwest region, but primarily I work with Southern California and I work with different communities west of Kansas City and certainly west of New Orleans, Louisiana, all the way up to Portland, Oregon and Seattle, Washington. So we're talking about a diverse part of America where you have different time zones, you have different cultures, you have 
I mean, you, you don't just like jump in the car and drive down the road and meet with a donor. So how do you navigate fundraising in a different community that I would say are pretty ding dang diverse? Well, being that uh, my half of my job consists of working in Southern California and I don't live in Southern California, I don't live in California. Um, I, I have lived there twice in my life and I established a friendship uh, with a gentleman. Actually, we celebrated 30 years of being friends uh, in this year. And I've worked in three organizations in California, including ORT. And he's been on the board in two of those uh, organizations. I'm sorry, th this is now my fourth organization I'm working with. He's been on the board in two of them. He was very active in another. And he was the one I went to and said, you know, I'm with this new organization. Let me talk to you about it. And I asked him to host a, a house party for ORT, which he did. This was um, in December of 2019, and he had about 25 people at his house. And knowing him, he was disappointed it wasn't, you know, 50. Um, but he believes, thank goodness he believes in me. He believes in the program that I shared with him. And, you know, as a, uh, as a nonprofit professional, especially development professional, I think you look for three types of people. You look for people who can give money, you look for people who are workers, and you look for people who are connectors. And he is a connector and he has helped me tremendously navigate a city I don't live in anymore through his connections of setting me up with people. Wow. So I'm kind of surprised because that's not the answer that I thought you would <laughs> give us, but I really think it speaks to the power of that word you use, the connectivity, and finding those people that are going to help shepherd that part of your work, or your journey, and the mission. It's very interesting that you uh, give so much honor and credence to that part of it. Look, I was very fortunate enough. Um, Ort sent me on a conference with um, staff and lay leaders from the Jewish Federations of North America in August of 2019, and we went to Uruguay and to Argentina. Wow. And I saw the list and I saw my Jewish federations that I work with on that list. Mm -hmm. And I worked the room, I met people, you know, introduced myself, um, gave out business cards. Yes, that's still a thing. <laughs> And really made so many connections that because of the pandemic, you know, uh, in, um, speaking to them on phone, email, Zoom, I was able to visit a number of those communities that I don't work in. For example, um, I had one trip where I went from Phoenix to El Paso. I met with a, a Jewish day school in El Paso. I met with the head of the Federation in El Paso. The next morning I flew to Houston. I had a meeting that night. The next meeting, the next day I addressed the Federation board. Then I flew to Dallas and I had four meetings in Dallas before coming home two days later. So it's these people that I met along the way that I 
establish relationships with, and that's an entree into the city that I don't live in. That's amazing. It wow. speaks to, I love what you said, you know, those, those three pillars really for development professionals and you're carrying that out through connections and other communities. Um, tell us a little bit about your upcoming trip that you have and how that is stewarding donors in a different community. So on that trip to um, Argentina and Uruguay, I met uh, a, a wonderful young individual who was the the president of his federation at the time and we struck up a friendship and he told me he had one year left and then he was done with the federation and he was also chairing his school capital campaign uh drive and he he was really impressed with org and the the work that org does around the world so he was going to israel through the university of tennessee um, on a mission and i had him meet our staff in israel they were impressed with him. He was impressed with them. I set him up with our new CEO. He became on the board of Word America. Wow. And he is a Southern gentleman from Chattanooga. <laughs> when the Museum of the Jewish Southern Experience opened, he contacted Ort and said, you know, this would be a great trip for us to make. And I happened to say to the CEO that I have led these type of trips before in the United States. So she said, great, you're in charge. (laughs) So um, we now are going September 11th through the 13th. We have a group of 10 uh, who are registered to go. We have people from um, Chattanooga, from New York City, from Detroit, from Atlanta. And it's a a wonderful group, Um, great leadership, and also some new people to the organization. And it's 48 hours on the ground showcasing the Southern Jewish experience and, of course, you know, Ort's involvement um, in it through the years. So it's, it's, it's a great opportunity. You know, it's, it's going to be fascinating to find out so much of what your lessons are, because I would imagine some of these folks, they haven't traveled for nearly three years. And so what is that going to look like? And then that whole boots on the ground, how do you engage folks with something um, through travel and through an experience. Um, that's gonna be super magical and it'll be really interesting to to find out about that. As part of this fundraising in different communities, are you finding that you have more success when you can bring people into these other communities? Um, and, and really, dare I say, getting them to go to a different city or meeting you in a different city? like. What does that look like? It is a juggling act. I really have to be honest with you. Um, You know, when I go into L.A., I meet with some of our donors every year. Um, Sometimes I feel that they get tired of me. Heck, I get tired of me. Um, Next week, I actually have the opportunity. We have our head of um, education in Israel flying to the United States. And he's bringing um, a student who just graduated high school, who's in a, a year before he goes into the army. Oh yes. And he credits the robotics program with ORT sponsors as turning his life around. So when this trip was announced, I jumped on it immediately. And I said, I would love him to come to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So we are going to be in Los Angeles for just about 24 hours. We have five meetings set up. 
because people are dying to hear something new, something different. Um, And hopefully they'll get inspired by it. Like I was inspired when I first met him. So it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity. And, you know, I was chatting with him this morning and he said, you know, the, hopefully the jet lag won't be an issue. And I said, no, 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 we're going to hit the ground running. You'll be fine. You'll be like, yeah. Skip a beat. Yeah, I love that. Well, these personal interactions, you've spoken of that um, throughout this entire conversation, Heath, you know, really going to the gentleman in Southern California, how he's helped to connect with other organizations. Do you find that, you know, with an organization that serves so many individuals in so many different communities, that it really is dependent on these power of personal connections? Look, I I believe that in in any organization I've worked for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, personally, I cannot work for an organization. I don't believe in the mission. Um, And what I, when I speak, what I tell people is I do what I do because my son had such an incredible Jewish day school experience from when he was six weeks old until he graduated um, Arizona State. Every step along the way was somehow involved in being Jewish and leading a, a, a wonderful Jewish life that led him to where he is now at 23 years old, working for um, an Arizona state senator who the reason he went to work for him is because he saw a big Israeli flag in his office. Wow. So I, I dedicate myself for his career to help other students around the world have some semblance of a wonderful Jewish education experience. And so when you witness that, and when you are talking with um, your donors that might be in such vastly different communities, is that something that they can grab onto and understand? Or do, do you find that those donors can then relate maybe something that's happened that way within their own communities that you that you wouldn't necessarily know about because they're in a different part of the country? You know, many people have different philosophies on fundraising. And it's true. <laughs> you know, I will say that I am not a fundraiser. I was never trained to be a fundraiser. I'm actually a, um, an MSW. Mm. But my philosophy in fundraising is to have a conversation, have a conversation with someone, how we can better our community, how we can better the community around us, how we can better the world. So judging based on the conversation, if somebody has children, if somebody has grandchildren, if they went through a Jewish day school setting, it's obviously a natural to to bring that up. But it's really, you know, it's talking about um, our schools, we have six schools in, in, in Ukraine that had a close, you know, but we also have schools in Soviet Union. We have schools in Argentina. Um, we have a, a tremendous day school in Mexico City. So it's finding out where they're from, what their passion is, and then steering the conversation that way. Amazing. There's so much to offer, you know, for this organization. Can you talk to us a little more, you know, specifically like when COVID hit, if we can think that, you know, far back, like how did you manage relationships and how did you continue these relationships 
in these communities because no one was traveling, right? We, you know, so many people were were fearful. We're still fearful. How did you manage the conversation at that point? Um, You know, what I did, and I can't speak for everyone, but what I did was I called up donors and I'm saying, look, I'm just calling to check on you. Yeah. I'm not asking you for anything. I just want to make sure you're okay. And do you need anything? Because we do have some resources. So again, it's, it's, you know, it's trying to be genuine. It's being honest. It's checking on their welfare, making sure that they're okay. My gosh, I had this one woman in Los Angeles that told me, she, she thanked me and she started to cry. Because she said, you know, I'm the first person that has called to check on her outside of her family and friends. Right. Wow. And, you know, sometimes we have to put fundraising aside for the greater good. And I think that time was the greater good to to check on people we care about Mm -hmm. from professional to donor relationship Mm -hmm. and to to make sure that they're okay. Yeah. It's that has been. Julia, yeah. the one key piece of advice yeah. that I, I know so many genuine fundraisers like yourself, uh, you know, Heath, even though you don't consider yourself a fundraiser, but being, <laughs> being a person that really values relationships and the value of conversation um, really just ties in with that. And I think, Julia, we've heard it and that it just, it still speaks to my heart. I love it. It does. And you know, what's interesting about that, Jared, is it wasn't like this came out of fundraising 101. This just seemed to be something that was kind of like an organic, natural thing for people that were in, if you will, the relationship business. I mean, that they genuinely just started calling. And, mm-hmm. and the first time I heard it, I was like, wow, you're pretty smart. And then I realized as we started hearing this, yeah. that this was just part of the human condition. Yeah. But these fundraisers, had that somehow in their personal ecosystem to, to actually be drawn to that. So it's fascinating, Heath, to hear you say that. Yeah. Well, when you care about people, it's a, it's a natural thing to do. Yeah. And you want to make sure that they're okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it also falls back to your MSW, that master's of social work. It's just <laughs> right there in you. <laughs> absolutely. Hey, tell us a little bit. We don't have too much time, but you did kind of drop this really big comment that uh, you're celebrating 100 years as an organization. So what does that look like? Uh, it looks like we are trying to get many um generations involved in letting them know that it's the 100th year celebration of ORT America. Um, We are preparing for a big gala in New York City in November. We, uh, different areas have done different things to promote the 100th year anniversary. And of course, we have our trip to New Orleans that is, you know, part of the 100th year. So um, we're doing different things. You know, it was, it, it would be much bigger had we not been handcuffed the past couple of years, um, but we are uh, very happy to to have this and, and look forward to the next 100. You know, milestone marketing, what an, an, a blessing. I mean, there's so few organizations in our country, profit or nonprofit, that can, can say they've done 100 of anything, right? I mean, it's really an awesome, awesome part of this. And uh, it's been a lot of fun to hear about you, Heath. Heath Bloomstein, Director, Southwest Region of ORT America, has been joining us today. 
check out ortamerica.org. It is a vast website. There are tremendous resources, and it really tells the story of how this organization works throughout the globe with a lot of integrity and insight into some very um, structured principles. And uh, I think I have to say, Heath, when when I was going through that website, I was like, wow, I know your work, but I don't know you. It was really an interesting thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I know where you where you've been working and how you you do things um and so that was really cool to see um this journey having marched forward so um we are honored that you would come and, and share with us today for those of you in the green room one of the best stories i heard was that um heath was probably one of the first five people that jared shared that when she was expecting her son so yes. pretty cool yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we had a, a great working relationship. And, uh, you know, as he shared, um, one of my very first clients. So uh, he knew me when I was just a junior nerd, as he said. So thank you. And thanks for joining us. I've loved learning about this organization, love learning about how you're taking your passion and your personal purpose forward in the world uh, to do so much good and drink some sweet tea for me, would you, while you're in New Orleans? I would appreciate Fantastic. it. <laughs> Thank you both very much. It, it was a wonderful experience. I appreciate you having me on. Oh my gosh, it's, it's been fun. Again, if you don't know who we are, we'll tell you one more time. <laughs> I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit, been joined today by the nonprofit nerd herself, Jira Ransom, CEO of The Raven Group. I like to call her my nonprofit nerd because she really is. Um, again, we want to thank all of our presenting sponsors who make these conversations happen day in and day out. Many of them since the very beginning of the nonprofit show, Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, nonprofit nerd, fundraising academy at National University, staffing boutique, and nonprofit thought leader. But wait, Jarrett, what's on the screen behind you? I know. Cannot wait. Uh, we're going to have someone from Be Generous with us soon, very soon. So you'll learn a lot more about them each and every month, right along with our other sponsors. So thank you and welcome. Welcome to Be Generous. It's going to be really fun. Uh, part of this new movement of fintech, uh, you know, really seeping into the nonprofit sector. And so it'll really be a lot of fun to learn about what they do and in, in their philosophy on fundraising and that financial technology piece. Um, so we're really looking forward to them. Hey, as we like to end every episode of The Nonprofit Show, we want to remind everybody, ourselves, I'm going to throw in Heath and Jarrett, <laughs> and even Kevin Pace, our executive producer, who's with us day in and day out, to remember to stay well so you can do well. We'll see you back here tomorrow, everyone. Mm -hmm.